Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It was an incredible week in news, not short for topics. Of course, most pertinent of which is the elapse of Title 42, sending waves of migrants crashing against the border, threatening to overwhelm resources in multiple of the United States' largest cities. Absolutely insane. We'll be talking about all of it tonight on Saturday Night on The Circle, and I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for tuning in. You can always catch us uh, on my podcast page, Saturday Night on The Circle.fireside.fm, WIBC.com, and stream streaming live on the YouTube where you can hop in the chat. All right, we got a lot of audio to get through. Most of it is fairly incredible because even generously, this can't be said to be ordinary spin. The federal government is outright lying to you about the state of the southern border, most notably Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas is lying. We'll be hearing a lot from him this evening. That's a Lady Gaga song. Wouldn't have even been hip to it if producer Carl hadn't made me aware because, of course, I'm not listening to what most of the kids are. Yeah, I, I know all the hip tunes. <laughs> well, Carl runs radio stations, so he should, um, programming music. Anyway, so Alejandro Mayorka stepped before the American people on Thursday to pull the wool over your eyes regarding the elapse of Title 42, saying that the border remains secure and the United States states is dedicated to turning away illegal migrants absolutely insane but here he is our borders are not open people who cross our border unlawfully <laughs> and without a legal basis to remain will be pr promptly processed and removed an individual who is removed under title 8 is subject to at least a 5 year ban on reentry into the united states and can face criminal prosecution if they attempt to cross again. All right, move on. Nothing to see here. Please disperse. Nothing to see here. Please. Isn't that cute? A five-year ban on re-entry into the United States. What Mayorkas doesn't tell you is that many of the nearly 1.3 million deportations that the Biden administration has undertaken were from repeat offenders, people who crossed the border multiple times because it's incredibly porous and enforcement is lax. Cities are being overwhelmed and admitting it. Any honest coverage of this event is basically categorizing it as a catastrophe, as a major crisis. And here you have the Department of Homeland Security Secretary trying to tell you the border remains secure when we have footage. We have footage of tens of thousands of migrants camped up uh, across the river. They're being turned away by the Texas, by of all people, the Texas uh, National Guardsmen 
who's it, it, that isn't even their job, but they're having to step up and fill in for the federal government. And most importantly, Biden's refusal to enforce the U.S. border and now threatening to overwhelm major U.S. cities because of that. But Mayorkas, again, not just spinning the crisis, but flatly lying to you, telling you that the border is secure. Let me be clear. The lifting of the Title 42 public health order does not mean our border is open. In fact, it is the contrary. Our use of our immigration enforcement authorities under Title 8 of the United States Code means tougher consequences for people who cross the border illegally. You don't need to see his identification. We don't need to see his identification. These aren't the droids you're looking for. These aren't the droids we're looking for. He can go about his business. You can go about your business. Move along. Move along. Move along. He's trying to wave his hand in front of the press corps and perform some kind of Jedi mind trick like, you don't see the illegals crossing the border. The American cities aren't being overwhelmed. Move along. You know, I mean, this is... It's absolutely insane, but these are the people that Joe Biden has partnered himself with. This is the administration executing not not border security incompetently, but rather executing their plan to destroy the border very competently. This is nothing less than absolutely intentional. And it's hilarious now that some liberal cities are having to bear the burden of the Biden administration's uh, uh, illegal immigration crisis um, when they're when they're being bussed or forced to confront it in person. For example, when uh, uh, a bus, busload of illegal immigrants was l- dropped off in Washington, D.C. in front of the residence of Kamala Harris, Alejandro Mayorkas made sure to classify that as very sad and tragic. A bus of migrants from Texas arrived in front of the vice president's office this morning, vice president's house this morning. What's your response to, to that, to more buses of migrants being sent from Texas to Washington, D.C.? It is a both sad um, and tragic day uh, when a government official uses migrants as a pawn for political purposes. But isn't that hilarious that he's never called it sad and tragic when these same migrants have been offloaded to American communities across the country? It's only when they're forced to confront the issue that then they realize the scope and magnitude of the problem. And this is happening in uh, so-called sanctuary cities as well, like New York City, uh, which Mayor Eric Adams is saying has been overwhelmed. Uh, Lori Lightfoot, outgoing mayor, uh, has declared a state of emergency. Uh, Police stations are being overwhelmed. Uh, They're trying to convert uh, other government facilities into temporary housing and being met, mind you, with resistance from the community, which is interesting. Uh, New York Mayor's Eric Adams suggested that uh, Governor of Texas Greg Abbott was a racist on Monday, saying that he once again decided to play politics with people's lives by sending asylum seekers to major cities with black mayors. Now, that is an interesting point because many of those same cities lie in states ran by lily white governors so i'm not sure how the two things mesh together you know he's just trying to create a racial issue when uh, uh, you know he, he is the one who ran on uh, making New York City or continuing its status as a sanctuary city. He tweeted on October 20th, 2021, we should protect our own immigrants, period. 
Yes, New York City will remain a sanctuary city under an Adams administration. Hashtag Eric on NBC. So, you know, life comes at you fast, son, because now... After having declared that New York City will remain a sanctuary city, uh, it, it is temporarily suspending some of its rules related to the longstanding guarantees of shelter to anyone who needs it, as officials are struggling to find housing for migrants arriving from the southern border. Because it's not just happening a few dozen at a time, or even a few hundred at a time. It is happening now at thousands of migrants at a time, completely overwhelming the ability of any city to take care of it. 10,000 a day. This is record levels of migration that we are not we are simply not equipped to deal with. Uh, Chicago has already declared a state of emergency and they're being completely overrun. Acknowledged, like we read the, the letter last week uh, uh, from Mayor Lori Lightfoot sending it to Governor Greg Abbott, begging him to stop sending migrants to, a, again, a sanctuary city. And the residents of Chicago are not pleased to be pawns in this political game of virtue signaling. They are resistant to having uh, the, these hordes of migrants uh, shipped to the city where they have to provide shelter, health care, food resources, other materials just to... Uh, just to get them to survive. This is the response uh, from uh, South, uh, South Shore, Chicago, uh, when local officials proposed converting a local high school into shelter for uh, the migrant surge. While this crisis may constitute an emergency for the city of Chicago, it does not constitute an emergency for the South Shore community. Incoming migrants have overwhelmed district police stations by the hundreds. It's my turn. It's my turn. Hello. But city leaders could barely eke out a word of the details about a proposed respite center at the former South Shore High School. When it comes to the total number of people at South Shore at any given point in time, it is fluid. We'd start with 250, 500. How could you do that without consulting us? I am concerned with safety in the area. In the prim primarily minority neighborhoods of South Shore, they were waving build the wall signs at this community meeting. So, you know, despite the virtue signaling to gain political points with leftists, it's not gaining traction with, uh, you know, ground level citizens who have to deal with the effects of these poor policy decisions. Uh, of course, incoming mayor who's starting on Monday, Brandon Johnson, he's a former uh, union, organizi uh, union organizer who triumphed in the recent mayoral election. He's committed to keeping Chicago a sanctuary city as well. And his campaign website accused previous city administrations of bulldozing their way through migrant resettlement decisions without care or forethought. Well, uh, Mr. Johnson, Mayor Johnson, I should say, he will have a wonderful opportunity to demonstrate his uh, uh, planning and uh, judicial exercise to manage the crisis, uh, because certainly it is at crisis levels with more than 8,000 migrants currently in the city. Multiple police stations being overwhelmed, uses temporary shelters, uh, new migrants in some cases being forced to sleep outside on the sidewalk because there simply is no capacity left. It's absolutely insane. Of course, a lot more coverage to come. Stay tuned in hour two. We'll give you more updates on the growing migrant crisis now that Title 42 has come to an end. Up next, we'll be covering Donald Trump's appearance on CNN uh, in an interesting town hall. Uh, don't miss that on 93 WIBC.
spurs, I got spurs that jingle, jangle, jingle, jingle, jangle, as I go riding merrily along. Jingle, jangle. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. And that song ain't so very far from Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. This week, Manhattan federal jury found that Donald Trump had sexually abused E. Jean Carroll in a luxury department store uh, in the spring of 1996 and was civilly liable, ultimately awarding her $5 million for battery and defamation. This is Saturday Night on The Circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Producer Carl, beep, 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 pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. I understand we had a uh, brief streaming hiccup there, Producer Carl? Yeah, the gun guy's uh, title was still on, so I had to stop the stream and retitle it uh, accurately as Saturday Night But on we're the good circle. now, right? We're, we're good now. Okay, it's all, it's all functioning. So if you find us on YouTube, look up Saturday Night on The Circle, and you can join the chat as the show's in progress. Um, again, the jury finding him civilly but not criminally liable. They also did not find su- uh, sufficient evidence to determine that Trump raped her. Um, but they did find her, uh, find him guilty of uh, 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 battery and uh, sexual abuse. So, um, and one of the one of their lead uh, one of their lead uh, uh, pieces of evidence in this uh, civil case, which Donald Trump incidentally didn't show up to a single day. I guess you're not required to under civil trials, but um, to help build their case that the abuse was, uh, or to help to substantiate their case that the abuse uh, took place, they played the now infamous clip of uh, Donald Trump saying, "Grab him by the." Mm-mm. I gotta use some Tic Tacs just in case I start kissing her. You know, I'm automatically attracted to beautiful. I just start kissing them. It's like a magnet. You just kiss. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Whatever you want. Grab him by the pussy. <laughs> I can do anything. I mean, admittedly, that would be fairly difficult to argue against when pre- presented as a part of the uh, character building arguments. Anyway, of course, uh, Donald Trump, you know, being fined five five million dollars is a pittance to him um, and seemingly inviting more scrutiny um, and further lawsuits and litigation. Because during the town hall, he referred to E. Jean Carroll as a whack job. And I swear and I've never done that. And I swear to I have no idea who the hell she's a whack job. You you did not now, this is kind of a problem because when you're involved in litigation, usually one of the most prominent pieces of wisdom your lawyers will give you is don't talk about the case because you will only get yourself in trouble. And that's seemingly what Donald Trump is inviting by by doing that. Of course, it was a, it was an interesting exchange on the CNN town hall. I didn't get to watch the whole thing, but I did see the most pertinent excerpts. Um, and what what I found most fascinating is they did not they must not have screened the office or the the audience particularly uh, carefully because there were a lot of Trump supporters in the room and seemingly supporting him when he did things like uh, uh, call the host uh, a nasty woman uh, host Caitlin Collins. But that's the question that investigators have, I think, is why you held on to those documents when you knew the federal government was seeking them and then had given you a subpoena to return them. Are you them. ready? Are you ready? Can I talk? Yeah, what's you the mind? answer? Can I, do you mind? I would like for you to answer the question. Okay, it's very simple to answer. That's why I asked it. It's very simple to You're a nasty person, I'll tell you. Can you answer why you, why you held on to the 
negotiating and we were talking to NARA, that's Washington, to bring whatever they want. They can have whatever they want. It's one of his favorite catchphrases. He's called Hillary Clinton nasty. He's called Nancy Pelosi nasty. He's called uh, Ted Cruz nasty. I mean, it's probably a shorter list of people that he hasn't called nasty at one point or another. But there you heard the hoops and hollers of the audience in the background, the generous applause. So seemingly the audience was not carefully screened by CNN, although they did use the opportunity to berate the former president at every opportunity. Uh, at every chance they had, and they tried to bait him into discussions that they thought would be damaging, like discussing the 2020 election. Um, he also told a couple whoppers that I, I don't think passed the smell test, uh, such as boasting he would be able to end the Ukraine war in 24 hours after becoming the president. If you, were I would sit down. Let, let me just put it a nicer way. Uh, if I'm president, I will have that war settled in one day, 24 hours. I'll meet with Putin. I'll meet with Zelensky. They both have weaknesses and they both have strengths. And within 24 hours, that war will be settled. It'll be over. It'll be absolutely over. Do you over. want Ukraine to win this war? Uh, I don't think in terms of winning and losing. I think in terms of getting it settled so we stop killing all these people and breaking out this, this country. A little bit light on specifics. Certainly not regarding whether Ukraine uh, should win the war, i.e. maintain its national sovereignty. That could have been an easy win for uh, for Donald Trump. But no, staying vague and instead sticking to the absurd claim he'd be able to end the war in 24 hours. I don't think so. Uh, (laughs) No more likely than uh, Joe Biden finding the cure for cancer. Um, the things people will say during their run for the presidency. But, of course, one topic that CNN desperately wanted to bait the former president into discussing was uh, the issue of the January 6th riots and the legitimacy of the 2020 election, which he still maintains was rigged. Your polls show that you are dominating the Republican race right now, but you are also under active federal investigation for trying to overturn the 2020 election results. Your first term ended with a deadly riot at the Capitol, and you still have not publicly acknowledged the 2020 election results. Why should Americans put you back in the White House? Because uh, we did fantastically. We got 12 million more votes than we had in, uh, as you know, in 2016. Uh, I actually say we did far better in that election. Got the most uh, that anybody's ever gotten as a sitting president of the United States. Uh, I think that uh, when you look at that result and when you look at what happened during that election, uh, unless you're a very stupid person, you see what happens. A lot of the people, a lot of the people in this audience, and maybe a couple that don't, but most people uh, understand what happened. That was a rigged election. No fair! You change the outcome by measuring it! Now, I understand that was Caitlin Collins uh, baiting the former president into discussing the issue, but I don't think you're going to win voters in 2024 by campaigning on a 2020 election loss. It's not an inspirational message. It's not going to move the needle with uh, swing states or uh, suburban women. Um, It's just not going to get you the support you need, regardless of your feelings regarding the legitimacy of the 2020 election. Now, 
what's most fascinating, of course, is this seems this town hall seems to have backfired entirely on CNN. Their base has cried foul. They have said that they're going to abandon the network and never watch it again because they're giving legitimacy uh, to the former president by giving him airtime. This was addressed by Anderson Cooper on his broadcast, saying that he understands if people never watched CNN again because they did a town hall with Donald Trump. Maybe you haven't been paying attention to him since he left office. Maybe you've been enjoying not hearing from him, thinking it can't happen again. Some investigation is going to stop him. Well, it hasn't so far. So if last night showed anything, it showed it can happen again. It is happening again. He hasn't changed, and he is running hard. You have every right to be outraged today and angry and never watch this network again. But do you think staying in your silo and only listening to people you agree with is going to make that person go away? If we all only listen to those we agree with, it may actually do the opposite. If lies are allowed to go unchecked, as imperfect as our ability to check them is on a stage in real time, those lies continue and those lies spread. Oh, that is true. I didn't see that coming. (laughs) An astute observation has led to laughter. (laughs) We are laughing. Okay, so Anderson Cooper's deflection is that it's our duty to broadcast these town halls with Donald Trump because we have to fact check the lies. Ah, ah. Bull pucky, I'm calling crap on that one because this was done for ratings. That was the same reason why they gave him so much coverage in the uh, 2016 election. And it seems that nobody, either Donald Trump or the mainstream liberal media, have learned their lesson in the interim. Donald Trump still doing a dance with the devil. You're not gaining anything by showing up on these liberal uh, networks and uh, playing footsie with the liberal hosts who intend to do you harm. You're not getting anything for it. And similarly, CNN. You have only yourself to blame by continuing to elevate Donald Trump, not learning the lesson from 2016, which is the most potent weapon against him, is to simply ignore the guy. Because when you invite him into the ring, you get the potential to get reactions like the audience gave, hooping and hollering and applauding and making CNN look bad. So nobody nobody learned anything since 2016. This is all a farce. It's absolutely ridiculous. And CNN seemingly gaining nothing in uh, in the process, although, of course, their goal not to fact check the former president because it's their journalistic duty, but rather to get ratings. And then now their audience is threatening to abandon them in droves, which I find to be hilarious. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. we got a lot more content to come. Stay tuned for Hat Tricks, where you'll hear the president lose his mind once again, completely flubbing uh, the name of a Chinese uh, filmmaker. Uh, You'll hear a curious claim from Corrine Jean-Pierre and a whole lot more. Don't miss it. Up next on Saturday Night on The Circle. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. 
Biden's mental faculty continues to decline at an alarming rate, while national issues compound and threaten to overwhelm the country with a feckless leader at the helm. His blundering was again caught on tape as he struggled to pronounce the name of a Chinese filmmaker during a White House screening of an American-born Chinese. You'll also hear Kamala Harris awkwardly laugh at her own peculiar, peculiarly offbeat joke uh, to a room of dead silence in a cringe-inducing faux pas. Finally, listen to actress Charlize Theron's controversial remarks during a drag queen telethon. And all this and more on this week's edition of Hat Tricks with Hatcher. It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle, where I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, and producer Carl beep, 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 is pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin with the much-publicized kerfluffle of uh, Joe Biden uh, at a screening of an American-born Chinese at the White House when his brain completely malfunctions during his opening remarks, and he botches the name of one of the filmmakers. I honored a group of trailblazing artists with National Medals of Arts and Humanities. The group included groundbreaking Asian Americans like Vera Wang and 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 Joan Shingang, I'm going to pronounce Shanga Kawawa. I think I pronounced it correctly. She can call me Joe Bitten. And I mean, it's essentially the perfect audio clip because you have all of Bidenisms in a nutshell. You've got the slurring of the words. You've got the staggered pace. You've got the complete botching, mispronunciation, the the struggle to try and get it right and then ultimately giving up. It's all right there in one clip and it's absolutely perfect and hysterical. But I mean, you know, he's good for at least two to three of those every week, if not more. Um, which is, you know, sadly an indication of how fragile his uh, mental capacity is in uh, his sunset years. And unfortunately, he's in a position where he's not just able to relax and take care of himself. Instead, he is ostensibly the leader of the free world and the executive of the most powerful country on Earth. Um, we also had a curious take from Corrine Jean-Pierre, the administration continuing to attempt using COVID-19 um, as a means to bludgeon their policy into the American uh, uh, public sphere. Corrine um, Jean-Pierre saying that we're not out of the pandemic yet. Three years on, it's still here. Uh, again, we're not out of the pandemic. We're certainly uh, in a different place. Uh, and that's because what this president has been able to do. Really curious that she's saying we're not out of the pandemic. You know, it's it's an ever-growing, it's an ever-changing phase. We're just in a new phase of the pandemic when we also had WHO Director General officially declaring pandemics over as a global emergency. It's done. They had to give up the ghost on that one. It's therefore with great hope that I declare COVID-19 over as a global health emergency. So what do you mean COVID-19 pandemic isn't over? Sounds like it's over to me, but the administration trying to use uh, the veneer of a public health emergency 
to get their way and to instill a, uh, 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 a society of fear uh, so that way they can step in and be the rescuer. Um, we also had Kamala Harris, uh, who was speaking this week, and she made an incredibly awkward joke that didn't land at all with the audience. And, you know, it, it kind of, again, shows her lack of prowess as a public speaker. My mother used to, she would give us a hard time sometimes, and she would say to us, I don't know what's wrong with you young people. You think you just fell out of a coconut tree? <laughs> you exist in the context of all in which you live and what came before you. Where did you get the coconuts? We found them. Found them? In Mercia, the coconuts tropical. What do you mean? Well, this is a temperate zone. The swallow may fly south with the sun, or the house martin or the plover may seek warmer climes in winter, yet these are not strangers to our land. Are you suggesting coconuts migrate? Not at all. They could be carried. I'm not sure what kind of idiom that is. Uh, you know, my mother used to say, what do you think, you kids just fell out of a coconut tree? Not sure what she was trying to communicate. Evidently, neither was the audience, because when she's laughing at her own joke, I guess it was, or was that just nervous laughter because the idiom didn't land? Either way, deadpan silence from the room didn't land. You're not helping yourself out. Pretty cringy coming from the vice president, but much like President Joe Biden, two peas in a pod, you get that fair fairly regularly out of the both of them. Now, here was also a controversial piece of audio from, of all things, a drag queen telephone, telephone um, fundraising for drag queens across America, I guess, because they need new high heels, new makeup. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what you're raising, fundraising for, but that there it is. Um, Charlize Theron saying that she'll F anybody up who dares threaten a drag queen. We love you, queen. We love, love you, queen. Anybody up who is like trying to f with anything with you guys. It's really in all seriousness. There's so many things that are hurting and really killing our kids. And we all know what I'm talking about right now. And it ain't no drag queen. Because if you've ever seen a drag queen lip sync for her life. Yeah. It only makes you happier. It only makes you love more. It makes you a better person. What? If I could do a death drop right now, I would. But I would probably, like, break my hip. But, and I, yeah! Watching a drag queen makes you a better person? Okay. I mean, look, here's the thing. No, First of all, nobody is threatening to mess with drag queens. That's not what's going on. People have pointed out, I mean, drag has been a part of American culture for a long time. Bob Hope was doing, a, uh, you know, doing drag acts. It's not a problem if you are going out and doing adult entertainment, you want to put on a dress, put on a wig, do a dance, do a show, invite your friends. Nobody cares. You can do that. You have the freedom. This is America. Where the problem arises is when you insist on having these displays incorporated for children. Drag shows mostly contain like uh, burlesque burlesque uh, elements of performance. Okay, this is meant to arouse and to titillate, and the, such such performances are not fit for the consumption of children. That's not a controversial position. That is just a flat statement of fact, and it's very bizarre when you insist 
on dragging children to these performances and having these performances in front of children. I'm not sure heterosexual, uh, you know, regular burlesque performers uh, want to perform in front of children. And if they did, it would be roundly criticized, as it should be, because it's incredibly strange and odd. And that's not the kind of behavior that we want to be supporting, Charlize. So, you know, that is the issue that people have. And nobody's threatening drag queens. If you want to do that in your private time, go ahead. You want to go to a show? Go ahead. Nobody's stopping you. Um, but certainly, there is plenty of room for objection when you are having these uh, 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 performances and insisting that children be incorporated. Kind of weird, kind of strange, and uh, certainly something that needs to be addressed. Um, on the issue of the culture war and uh, the forced diversification, uh, especially in Hollywood where they are uh, parading these values in an attempt to shift the U.S. culture, we have Richard Dreyfus speaking out saying that uh, uh, this forced inclu inclusion standards make him vomit. This was on uh, PBS Crossfire where he made these remarks. Starting in 2024, films will be required to meet new inclusion standards to be eligible for the Academy Awards for Best Picture. They'll have to have a certain percentage of actors or crew from underrepresented racial and ethnic groups. What do you think of these new inclusion standards for films? They make me vomit. Why? Because this is an art form. It's also a, a form of commerce and it makes money but it's an art and no one should be telling me as an artist that I have to give in to the latest, most current idea of what morality is. And what are we risking? Are we really risking hurting people's feelings? You can't legislate that. And you have to let life be life. And I'm sorry, I don't think that there's a minority or a majority in the country that has to be catered to like that. So fortunately, not everybody in Hollywood is as insane as Charlize Theron. Unfortunately, they're fairly few and far between, and they have to kind of be in the position like Richard Dreyfus is, where they're, they've aged into a position like, you know, he's not getting any calls for Jaws 5. You know, nobody's ringing up Richard Dreyfus' phone for uh, Mr. Holland's Opus 2. You know, his his filmmaking days are behind him, so he's in a position where he can speak the truth without fear of reprisal for his profession. You know, he, he's living on residuals. He's got his retirement fund taken care of. Richard Dreyfus is set. You can say whatever you want about him, and he'll be just fine. So he's in that kind of rarefied position in Hollywood where he doesn't fear the ostracization from that community but not everybody is in that position and certainly they will wreak an unholy vengeance on you uh, in that community if you speak common sense. You're listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. More content to come. Up next, we'll talk about an interesting concept being introduced in Cincinnati, pizza vending machines. Would you try this? More discussion on 93 WIBC. Up next. is Saturday night on The Circle on 93 WIPC. 
we have finally arrived in the future, ladies and gentlemen. Inventions that Marty McFly could only dream of, like self-tying shoes, and now pizza vending machines. This has been introduced by uh, in Cincy's Clifton neighborhood, Cincinnati, uh, by Max Pizza Pub. They are uh, uh, testing out their pizza vending machine. Not only would it make pizza, but it also uh, threatens to serve cookies, wings, cheesecakes, shirts, and more. I'm not sure I'd be trusting my culinary uh, wishes to a vending machine, but there you have it. Uh, They're even offering free samples uh, during limited times of the day, tweaking out, uh, refining the elements of their machine, I guess, um, to see if there's a market. And apparently there is because the University of Cincinnati has already placed an order for several around its campus. Could this mean the futuristic delicious wonder could hand to the Hoosier state soon? I'm not sure it's uh, uh, quite so delicious. Now, that that begs the question, producer Carl, would you try this robotic abomination of automated pizza machine or pizza vending machines? Uh, no. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. No, no. When, when you go to a pizza house, you want somebody to be tossing the dough, kneading the bread, spreading the cheese, putting on the tomato paste, and doing it themselves. It's about the human touch to your pizza experience. <laughs> But now they are trying to automate that element out. Um, I'm sure, I don't know. I I have seen several restaurants at this point try and test out automated uh, food. They've tried the automatic burger flippers, something that in concept works out, but in practice often has problems. Um, It doesn't seem to be as profitable as they had touted it to be. Um, At this point, I don't think we're at the stage where you can completely automate out uh, the human element from your pizza cooking process. But one thing that might be done away with is your ability to cook the pizzas, at least with the heating elements you so wish, because despite liberal media protesting that claims the Biden administration sought to eliminate gas stoves were uh, manufactured, turns out that the administration and liberals do have their their eyes toward gas stoves. Uh, This is the Washington, D.C. Democrat attorney general um, who says that it's a public safety issue. You have a gas stove. You know, this really is an important issue for public health and safety, as well as making sure consumers have good, accurate information about potential risks associated with appliances in their home. The data and science tells us that gas stoves do, in fact, emit pollutants, creating indoor air pollution that can make people sick. Here in the District of Columbia, we have more than 16,000 young people who suffer with asthma. And we know that having a a gas burning stove in the house makes kids 42 percent more likely to be uh, suffering with asthma symptoms. So this is an important issue of public safety and making sure consumers have clear information so they can make informed decisions about the appliances in their home. So maybe we should be thanking Max Pizza Pub for introducing the pizza vending machines because before long, you won't be able to cook your DiGiorno in your gas-powered oven. You're going to have to succumb to the almighty electric oven or get your pizza from a vending machine. 
You're listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. Before we go, want to play a funny clip uh, from a passenger on a Frontier Airlines flight from Trenton, New Jersey to Atlanta demanding a woman be taken off the flight, rounding up more than 40 uh, uh, fellow passengers in support. 40, 50 people here that would like her removed from the flight. I would, if you want her removed from the flight, please raise your hand. I'm not even kidding. If you can hear me, raise your hand if you want her removed from the flight. I'm not even kidding. I got 40 hands up. Sir, sir, I want her off the plane. I don't care. I'm trying to prove a point. You want to be a to people? We going to be a back. Like, I'm not even kidding. What a miserable SOB do you have to be to get 40 people on an airplane to vote you off the island like an episode of Survivor. This is crazy. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. We got a lot more to come. Stay tuned in the next hour. We'll tell you about uh, Marion uh, County Constable, who's completely lost her mind. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Up next. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle, where I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, and producer Carl. Pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin by returning where we started last hour, discussing the ever-evolving migrant crisis, which despite the administration's best efforts to cover up a spin and outright lie, even uh, international news organizations are rightly picking up on this mounting crisis and labeling it such as, you know, an utter catastrophe. You've heard it from uh, from CNN of all places. You've heard it from MSNBC, ABC, CBS, all of these agencies um, forced to reckon with the frightening reality of thousands of migrants pouring across the border as the porous lack of enforcement caused by the Biden administration is now uh, rearing its ugly head and uh, cities are frankly being overwhelmed. This from the BBC where they titled an article, Cities Far from the U.S.-Mexico Border Still Grapple with the migrant crisis. This is no longer something the Democrats can uh, offload to the the border states, you know, Texas, Arizona, uh, places like that. No, no, it's now reaching the interior, uh, most notably Chicago, 1,500 miles away, again, brought up by the BBC from the U.S.-Mexico border. They're struggling to provide for the thousands of migrants in their city. More than 8,000 have been brought there since last summer, and they are at capacity saying they can handle no more. Police stations, churches, and uh, existing residents upset at plans to convert one school into a shelter. You heard that last hour where the residents of South Shore were uh, uh, causing quite a commotion um, for city officials, uh, uh, making their opinion known that they do not have to deal with, or they should not be forced to deal with the migrant crisis. Um, Estimating number of new arrivals in the city, just the city of Chicago, to be between one 100 and 200 per day. So at the end of five days, you've got a thousand migrants. At the end of 10 days, you've got 2,000 and on and on. And it multiplies very quickly when you're dealing with 10,000 migrants a day. And despite the administration's claims, they're turning some away. Many more are being released onto the streets 
uh, by border officials. Um, it's been caught on camera. And of course they are when Mexico refuses to take them back. In some cases, they won't take back everybody that gets deported by the United States. Some, you know, they get, they get to pick and choose which migrants they're willing to accept back into their country. But of course the United States expected to uh, accept everyone carte blanche. So we're dealing again with tens of thousands of migrants threatening to overwhelm the capacity of even the most ardent, ardently liberal city to care for them. Uh, it turns out the never ending flow of uh, taxpayer dollars does at some point get strained to such a uh, extent that it does run out. Um, uh, but but you have Kamala or uh, uh, Karine Jean Pierre saying that uh, you know she can't get into the specifics or the hypotheticals about how many migrants specifically are coming into the United States. You anticipate the current numbers that you're seeing right now? Look, I can't I, I can't get into hypotheticals about the numbers and what they were going to be or going to be. That's not something I'm going to do here. What I can say is that we knew clearly we knew from the court that Title 42 was going to lift on Thursday. That's something that we were clearly very aware aware of since since early. Earlier this year, we have put plans in place and processes in place to deal with this very moment. Okay, so KJP can't get into the specifics, but you know who can? Even liberal news organizations like CNN noting there's more than 150,000 migrants just waiting for their opportunity to cross the border. More than 10,000 a day. Here's the numbers from CNN. This morning, more than 150,000 migrants are waiting in northern Mexican states to cross into the United States. Officials estimate hundreds of thousands more from Central America are on the way. As Title 42 expires Thursday, Texas is now putting up new wire barriers to close off some illegal crossing sites. Currently, 25,000 migrants are in immigration custody, and each day, 8,000 more try to enter the United States. Think about what an incredibly sad commentary it is that Texas National Guardsmen are being forced to step up and do the uh, the job that federal border agents should be tasked to do, but unfortunately they are being led by administration who frankly could care less and is willing to gaslight you on the details. Of course, we have uh, Alejandro Mayorkas again trying to uh, gaslight and outright lie to you. Uh, Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas trying to flip the narrative and gaslight a reporter who asked him about the cost to taxpayers that these thousands of migrants are inflicting on cities across America. Here's what he had to say. What's the rough cost to American taxpayers since the roughly 4 million people have come into this country illegally uh, since January of 2021 as those people show up in community hospitals as they uh, enter the school system, as they get other government help? Do you have a taxpayer cost? turn that question uh, around a little bit, because um, I'm going to turn it around to match the question that an international partner asked of me. And the question that the international partner asked of me is, what is the economic cost of your broken immigration system? Since there are uh, businesses around this country that are desperate for workers, there are desperate workers looking for jobs. Desperate workers in foreign countries that are looking for jobs in the United States where they can earn money lawfully and send much needed remittances back home. What is the cost of a broken immigration system? That is the question that I am asked and that is the question that I pose to Congress. So there he is kind of admitting the quiet part out loud where he's saying these 
business interests need illegal immigrants to fill their empty positions? I guarantee you they're not paying what Democrats would call, quote, a living wage, which they, you know, purport to tout, and then enable these uh, th- these corporations to pass over Americans and hire illegal illegal migrants at below market wages, which is not aiding or helping anybody. And then also siphoning wealth away from the United States. He said they're going to be sending it to their family back home. We could use those dollars and commercial expenditures here, Mr. Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. Uh, you know, again, these the, the, the sheer scale, uh, you heard the reporter mention more than 4 million migrants imported the country since 2021, overwhelming even liberal cities. On Friday, New York Governor Kathy Hochul asked the White House for additional federal funds to aid, quote, asylum seekers who've arrived in New York City. And we've diluted entirely the term asylum seeker. Those are That's a term for political refugees, not somebody who just is looking for a better job, not somebody who uh, wants to send money back home to the family. No, according to the dictionary, one, asylum, noun, the pro- uh, protection granted by a nation to someone who has left their native country as a political refugee. So unless you are being specifically uh, targeted by your country of origin for political or religious reasons, you are not an asylum seeker and should not be granted uh, that status for illegally migrating to the United States and passing over those people who have spent their time, their resources to go about immigrating to the country uh, legally and the correct way. But you have Alejandro Mayorkas again gaslighting you and saying that the border is not open and in fact we've deported more you know uh, a million migrants you know they point to border patrol's own numbers which show that going back to october of last year there were more than a million apprehensions but then there were also more than 530,000 gotaways that's roughly the size of the population of the city of baltimore how can you say that the border is not open so um, uh, we removed, returned, and expelled 1.4 uh, million people last year. Ask those 1.4 million people if, if they think uh, the border is open. You have to get out of denial. I've had failure in my life. But one thing I'm not in is denial. You're in denial. I'm not in denial. Without a doubt, she's in denial. There's so many things wrong, and yet everybody's in denial. Stop being in denial! Four million migrants have made their way into the country since 2021. Even the most generous estimation of deportations, 1 million, 1.2 million, I think is what the secretary said. But many of those people are individuals who've been deported multiple times. So, you know, that number is in fact even smaller, and there were more than 500,000 getaways, which is the size of the city of Baltimore. This cannot, this is a system that cannot continue to sustain itself, putting it quite plainly, but the administration intends to further exactly that. Kamala Harris making an appearance uh, this week uh, in Georgia. That was on um, uh, this week. She was in Georgia uh, touting uh, the Democratic Party's successes and trying to campaign for Biden ahead of the 2024 election and saying that they need to continue to build on their legacy. So we look at where we are moving forward and there is a legacy um, that President Biden and all of us here um, that we, we have to advance every day 
terms of the work that has happened right here in this state. Shut up, silly woman. So she, you know, appeared on Friday to say that the, the the Democrats need to build on their legacy, the legacy of failure and devastation to the American economy and the immigration system. No, I don't think we can sustain that. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned because coming up next, we will tell you about the conflict between a Marion County constable and an IMPD officer um, when the constable attempted to intervene in a lawful eviction. And this interaction was caught on tape. IMPD is investigating. Uh, The constable is saying that uh, IMPD threatened to kill her. We'll get into all the details. Don't miss it. Coming up next on 93 WIBC. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis. And watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. I can tell that we are going to be friends. Thanks for joining me on Saturday Night on the Circle. There there are strange goings on in the city of Indianapolis. A confrontation caught on tape between a Marion County Center Township constable and an off-duty officer from IMPD. Caught my attention because, of course, as a landlord operating on the east side, from time to time, I find myself in need of the services of the constable. They, uh, their job is to primarily serve papers, but they also uh, enforce eviction. Uh, when, when you have to enforce the writ, you call the constable's office. They set the schedule up, uh, and then you can enforce the judgment from there. Um, but this was caught on tape where uh, uh, Marion County Center Township Constable Denise Paul Hatch Uh, who was recently elected uh, and took to the office. She was intervening with an IMPD officer and attempting to prevent him from executing a lawful eviction uh, from the court, which is not usually what you expect from your constable. But here you have part of the interaction caught on tape, uploaded to YouTube by one of the employees of the moving company who caught it on his smartphone. I'm done talking. You're not even a constable. A judge has already given authority to any officer to respond to this. To it's not any rules. officer. It's not yeah. any okay. officer. It's I a, got the judge back no, to me, so no I hope you're ready for it. I hope you're ready for it. I'm not worried about anything. Let me call Mark. Call yeah. Mark. Y'all want to y'all want to want to Come on. I'm ready for you. You put your hands on me, boy. Yeah, I did, girl. I am your girl, yeah. boy. You see that? That's true. I'm hey. not your girl. You touch me one more time. I want to. You, you touch me one you more time. You're not allowed you to arrest me. You touch me one more time. You're not allowed to arrest me. Arrest me. Hey, watch it, girl. You can't affect Watch. Touch me one more time. You can't affect Close that gap one more time. Close the gap one more time. Arrest me, motherfucker. One more time. Stupid bitch. Right. I need you to step out the problem. I know. You don't need me to step up my way. You. Don't put your hands on me, man. Don't put your...
Go to, go put your hands on. I'm here. the constable. I have a You are a constable. You are not the constable. I am the constable. You can step out that way. Look at this stupid Right, because don't know constable act like this. Don't know constable use the language you're using. Uh, I need you to move. I need you to move. I need you to move. I have authority. Okay. I need you to move. I need you to move. I am, my authority is above your authority. So there you heard uh, Marion County, Sen- Marion County Senator Township Constable Denise Paul Hatch getting in a confrontation with uh, 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 IMPD officer. The IMPD officer was in the 700 block of Grant Avenue uh, enforcing an eviction order uh, that had already been scheduled, already been granted. And according to the occupant, uh, Shante Collins, who was 38, she had tried to file a stay. And that was the paperwork she had with her, but the stay was denied by the judge, so it wasn't something that uh, that, that should have uh, uh, impacted the goings-on. But uh, nevertheless, Constable Hatch felt that it was her duty to intervene on behalf of her constituents. Now she's claiming that the IMPD officer was attempting to kill her, and this was reported by Wish TV 8. The Center Township Constable was intervening on behalf of somebody who was about ready to be evicted. During a heated exchange with an IMPD officer, she says the officer tried to kill her. He attacked me, pushed me down, tried to kill me in front of a baby. You're saying an IMPD officer tried to kill you? Yes, he did. Yes, she did. Yes, she did. When you push an individual down a concrete step of said four or five chairs, you can result in death. But the video said the IT mate does not show the officer pushing Constable Hatch. Matter of fact, the constable appears to try and coax the officer into pushing her. The video didn't show me being pushed down, but I was pushed down. My daughter was a witness. The girl was a witness. I was in a doorway, and I said, I said, I am in charge of this scene. Y'all need to leave, okay? Here's the writ. I got it now. So I was going, and he actually pushed me backwards. Thank goodness. You know, my dance days and everything coming in because I could have broke my neck. So we don't know all the details yet, but IMPD is performing an investigation. Uh, special investigation unit detectives are currently investigating. Uh, it was captured on uh, tape, uploaded to YouTube, and IMPD Chief Randall Taylor has spoken with the Center Township Judge Brenda Roper uh, discussing the incident and steps moving forward. Now, for those of you who are unaware... Again, just to cover the bases here, the constable's job is to serve legal papers like eviction notices along with summons and subpoenas for people to appear in criminal or civil court cases, and they're paid for every legal paper they deliver. Now, uh, Constable Hatch says she is currently working with the Center Township trustee to find Shante Collins and her kids a new place to live. Um this is kind of unusual, again, just being a landlord and having walked through the process a couple times myself. Move-out dates in particular are not something that you aren't aware of going in because in order for a move-out date to have been acquired, not only have you already had an eviction hearing, you've already been granted uh, a move-out date, and then that time has elapsed, then you have to get a writ, and then you have to enforce the writ, and then you have to have a separate move-out date scheduled. So this is a process, a multi-step process, something that takes weeks in order to affect. You can't say that you weren't aware 
of it happening, of course, but that is uh, that is what Shantae Collins is claiming. Um, and apparently the Marion County Center Township Constable taking her side. A very interesting turn of events. These are our elected officials, ladies and gentlemen. This is the current state of Marion County. This is part of the reason why I don't feel overly optimistic about the results going into the November elections. Of course, I'll be voting for uh, a Republican nominee for Mayor Jefferson Shreve. He has my vote. I think that the Hogsnod administration is utterly incompetent. But when you have other indicators in the primaries, like, uh, for example, uh, Jesse Brown elected to District 13, that's my district, um, replacing Zach Adamson, it does not give... A lot of uh, room for optimism when you have uh, elected officials like Denise Hatch um, screaming at IMPD officers. That uh, does not inspire much confidence. Uh, Jesse Brown, incidentally, uh, part of his platform um, running on unions and jobs for everyone. Every worker who wants a union should have one. Opposing spending uh, to create jobs at employers who do not pay livable wages, provide good benefits, or offer neutrality to workers uh, who wish to form a union. So no small businesses, obviously. Uh, believes in universal uh, health care. Believes in uh, environmental justice and climate change. One of these people who thinks that the climate is racist from his own page. Indiana has been left dealing with the state's heavy reliance on burning fossil fuels, which contributes to asthma rates, heavy metals in our water, and deteriorating ecosystems. In Indiana, class lines play out along historically red line neighborhoods. The end result of this is children from black and brown families are currently being poisoned at a, high, at a rate much higher than their wealthier white suburban counterparts. And most notably in a city that is already facing an incredible crime wave upwards of three you know upwards of a hundred murders almost 200 murders a year now uh, becoming a regular uh, regular thing and campaigning on less police intervention under the heading police and public safety Indianapolis currently uses armed police officers to shoulder the burdens caused by ignoring root issues of poverty inequality mental illness addiction alcoholism and more clearly the solution is not to throw more police officers into this dangerous and unfair expectation. The solution is to fix the underlying problems that cause crime. I am an advocate of clinician-led emergency response teams, so sending in the social worker to deal with violent offenders doesn't seem like a good idea, seems like a recipe for a disaster, but when you're campaigning on that and you're you know, elected, then clearly that must uh, represent what your constituents want to see. I just am of the opinion that that will not uh, uh, portend positive things for the city of Indianapolis. Uh, and given the again the results of other elections, we're in for uh, we're we're in for a ride, people. We're we're in for a ride. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. We've got a lot more content to come. You'll never believe who Robert, uh, Robert Kennedy Jr. is accusing of uh, taking part in the murder of JFK. An incredible revelation coming up next on Saturday Night on the Circle. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I'm that bad type, make your mama sad type, make you.
Saturday night on the circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to Saturday night on the circle. I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher. Hop in the chat on YouTube while the show's in progress and find our podcast uploaded to Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm and WIBC.com. We begin this segment by discussing Robert Kennedy Jr.'s appearance on The Vigilant Fox, where he accused the CIA of participating in the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Um, this was fairly incredible. Um, he he said that after hearing the news, his uh, father, former att- uh, Attorney General Robert F. Kennedy, called the CIA uh, desk officer um, and said uh, said to him, did your people do this? He was recalling on Fox News Monday night. Um, his father then called uh, John McCone over to the house, uh, head of the CIA at the time, and he uh, said, when I came home, uh, Sidwell Fran- uh Sidwell Friends School, from Sidwell Friends School, my father was walking in the yard with John McCone, and my father was posing the same question to him. Was it our people who did this to my brother? He said, it was my father's first instinct. The agency had killed his brother. He again reiterated the point on the vigilant fox uh, making this claim. Do you believe they murdered or were involved in the murder of your uncle? What have you come to personally? The CIA, yes, they were definitely involved in the murder and the, you know, and the six-year cover-up. <laughs> They're still not releasing the, you know, the papers that legally they have to release. Um, but I don't think there's any doubt if you look at this huge, you know, mountain, monumental mountain of evidence and confessions, and you know, so many people have confessed to their involvement. And for anybody who has doubts about that. I would recommend a book by Jim Douglas called The Unspeakable, because I think he's done a better job uh, than anybody else at kind of assembling and distilling all of the millions and millions of documents that uh, have been released over the past 50 years. And these things, these revelations are released incrementally. And so nobody really takes notice of them. But when you put them all together, the story is very clear. I thought this was fascinating because, of course, Robert F. Kennedy Jr., running for a Democratic nominee for president, he is not just your garden variety conspiracy theorist. This is the nephew of the former president, the son of a man who himself was assassinated, uh, RFK. So, you know, I tend to uh, grant a little bit more credibility to claims, especially coming from uh, family members who were intimately involved and surrounded uh, the situation. This is kind of bombshell breaking news. Um, It's not something that people have speculated for years, but I feel like we're getting a little bit more clarity on it. Of course, Donald Trump had at one time promised to release uh, the documents pertaining to the investigation of JFK, still sitting on it. Uh, Joe Biden as well, continuing to sit on the documents, uh, the CIA refusing to release them. Um, And this was discussed, the same same issue was discussed on Tucker Carlson uh, just last year, December 15th of 20 2022, when he talked with an official who was closely related and had access to the documents from the CIA, believing that undoubtedly they were involved in the assassination. Here's what Tucker Carlson said. We spoke to someone who had access to these still hidden CIA documents, a person who was deeply familiar with what they contain. 
We asked this person directly, did the CIA have a hand in the murder of John F. Kennedy, an American president? And here's the reply we received verbatim. Quote, the answer is yes. I believe they were involved. It's a whole different country from what we thought it was. It's all fake. It's hard to imagine a more jarring response than that. Again, this is not a, quote, conspiracy theorist that we spoke to. Not even close. This is someone with direct knowledge of the information that once again is being withheld from the American public. And the answer we received was unequivocal. Yes, the CIA was involved in the assassination of the president. This should frighten anybody who's paying attention because what that would potentially mean is the existence of a shadow state within the government operating in agencies like the CIA and the FBI um, colluding to coerce and influence the outcome of elections, uh, the direction of the United States uh, government, and uh, you know, essentially the carte blanche authority to do any Anything up to and including the assassination of a president, which would be absolutely incredible. And we're just scratching the surface of the, you know, this information because, again, the documents haven't been made publicly available. And you've had now at least two administrations continue to sit on their release. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Also, the FBI failing to turn over key documents allegedly showing President Joe Biden traded policy changes in exchange for cash payments during his time as vice president. Um, the, the House investigation has revealed a whistleblower who is now protected under fe uh, federal law. He recently came forward with a bribery allegation in testimony to the Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer and Senate Judiciary, uh, Judiciary Committee Ranking Member Chuck Grassley. According to Comer, released in a statement on Wednesday about the FBI's lack of compliance. It's clear from the FBI's response that the unclassified report the Oversight Committee subpoenaed exists, but they are refusing to provide it to the committee. We've asked the FBI not only to provide this record, but also to inform what it did to investigate these allegations. So far, the FBI has failed to do both. So again, this would kind of go to um, those indications of a shadow state operating within the parameters of the government um, and seeking to elevate certain candidates that they support, in this case, the Biden administration, the FBI doing that, and also, again, the CIA, which is incredible. Um, the CIA potentially influencing the... Um, the 2020 election by peddling the Russian disinformation story as it relates to Hunter Biden's laptop. This revelation comes after testimony from former CIA director, director Michael Morell, who explained how current Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was the main driver behind getting the now infamous letter written and signed into the media bloodstream ahead of the Biden October 2020 debate with President Trump. They wanted Biden to have a talking point to undermine the legitimacy of the laptop if the subject came up, which it did, and going into the debate, NBC's Haley Jackson said that it had the hallmarks of Russian disinformation, parroting that line that was manufactured from the more than 50 intelligence officials who claimed uh, that that was the case. You can hear a pin drop in the room before these two candidates walk out on stage to begin their final face-off. Watch for President Trump to go after former Vice President Joe Biden's son, Hunter Biden, an unverified emails about his business dealings, a story that many intelligence experts say has all the hallmarks of a foreign interference campaign. For his part, Joe Biden is expected to keep his focus squarely on the coronavirus pandemic and the president's response to that, giving his message 
message directly to American voters. And now we know that has proven to be false. Not only was the laptop legitimate and came from Hunter Biden, but it also contained a plethora, a treasure trove of information tying the Biden's uh, uh, corrupt business dealings to Joe Biden himself, peddling influence uh, to enrich uh, the, the, the family from foreign actors. This, according to Representative James Comer, naming nine Biden family members who are implicated in the corruption, saying Joe Biden's son, his brother, his brother's wife, Hunter Biden's girlfriend, Hunter Biden's ex-wife, Hunter Biden's current wife, and three children of the president's son and the president's brother all involved in financial enrichment, trading off of uh, peddling influence from uh, uh, Joe Biden's time as vice president in the White House uh, in, in exchange for enrichment for the family. And we're now revealing this uh, from the, the House investigation. Of course, more information to come. We'll be following it, but it doesn't look good for the Biden family. Um, and it looks increasingly like we have uh, nefarious actors who are operating within the halls of the U.S. government, particularly the FBI and the CIA, colluding to influence the course of even our own elections. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Stay tuned for more. We'll be wrapping up. Coming up next on 93 WIBC. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Producer Carl was pointing out that perhaps this uh, intro music is not so apropos following a severe weather warning for Marion County. If you just heard that, I guess we have uh, severe thunderstorms in the area from now until 9.30 p.m. Great time to get out of the studio. Wrapping up here on Saturday night on The Circle. Thanks for listening. We had a lot of ground to cover, including the developing migrant crisis, uh, the lies of Department of Homeland uh, Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas. We talked about the uh, explosion of the confrontation between uh, Marion County Center Township Constable Denise Hatch and an IMPD officer that's still under investigation. Uh, RFK Jr.'s bombshell revelation that he believes the CIA was involved with the murder of uh, his uncle, uh, the former president, uh, John F. Kennedy. So, you know, lots to cover. Oh, and of course, the developing revelations from uh, the House investigation into the Biden family corruption. James Comer uh, naming multiple Biden family members as part of the corruption and also uh, stating outright that the Bidens uh, capitalized on lucrative financial relationships with Romanian nationals uh, who were under investigation and uh, convicted of corruption, establishing uh, business relationships with them. While Vice President Biden was lecturing Romania on anti-corruption policies, in reality, he was a walking billboard for his son and family to collect money. Hunter Biden and his associates capitalized on a lucrative financial relationship with a Romanian national who was under investigation for and later convicted of corruption in Romania. The Bidens received over $1 million for the deal.
and 16 of the 17 payments to their associates account that funneled the Biden's money occurred while Joe Biden was vice president. In fact, the money stops flowing from the Romanian national soon after Joe Biden leaves the vice presidency. This is a pattern of influence peddling. As the saying goes, where there's smoke, there's often fire. And it seems that the Biden family had been engaged in this pattern of corruption for some time, which now, uh, through the House investigation, is finally being brought to light. Of course, it's been bubbling under the surface since some of the revelations were crystallized from Hunter Biden's uh, laptop. But we will continue to follow the story as it develops. Um, thanks for tuning in to Saturday Night on The Circle. Wrapping things up here, make sure to catch the podcast on Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm plus WIBC.com. I will not likely be in town next week, just a heads up. Uh, I know I already took a vacation to Pennsylvania to go to the Wayne, New Jersey phonograph show. Well, the Hoosier uh, Phonograph Society is meeting in uh, Kokomo next Saturday in the afternoon. And I intend to uh, be there and participate in that, show off a few of my machines. And I don't think I'll be able to make it back in time for the Saturday show. Uh, So if we miss you, um, I I just wanted to let you know why. And, uh, of course, in preparation for that, uh, I invite you to do like I will and get out those old records and give them a spin. Get out those old records those old photograph records the ones we used to play so long ago what if they sound scratchy the tunes really were catchy especially those that said i love you so i used to beg you over and over just to set the wedding day to make it cornable i'd bring my portable to melt your heart away with all those old photograph records, the ones we used to play so long ago.
something sounds scratchy The tunes really were catchy Especially those that said I love you so I used to beg you over and over Just to set the wedding day To make it portable I bring my portable To melt your heart away With all those old records Those old records The ones we used to play so long ago Thanks for joining me on a stormy Saturday evening. I appreciate you tuning in, showing your support for the show, and I apologize for stepping out of town. Oh, actually going to be out of town for two weeks in a row because, <laughs> yeah, um, next weekend I'm planning to go to the Hoosier Antique Phonograph Society meetup in Kokomo, and the weekend after, of course, will be uh, race coverage, so... I'm, you know, I'm just uh, locked out either way. So I will be gone for the next two weeks. Don't despair. Of course, there will be lots of entertainment uh, during the week, and I look forward to returning two weeks from now for another exciting broadcast. And in the meantime, I leave you with my parting words of wisdom. As always, wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, remember that life is a state of mind. See you next time. (laughs) 